last month here at Summit Church, we've been in a series called Kingdom Come, and what we've been doing is taking an Old Testament prophecy about the Messiah and then showing and displaying how it's been fulfilled in the life of Christ in the New Testament. And we've walked through that process, and tonight I want to share a couple of passages with you. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And Matthew, who wrote the book of Matthew, uh, he says that Emmanuel means God with us. So what we see in Isaiah 7 is that, that Jesus would be born of a virgin, Mary. And we talked a few weeks ago why it was significant that he was born of a virgin. But what we see is that the Messiah would come as a child. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So again, we see that the Messiah will come as a child. And this is borne out in Luke chapter 2. And I know a lot of times on Christmas Eve, we will read through the nativity story from Luke 2. And if you're a traditionalist, I'm sorry. I'm not going to walk through that with you tonight. But you can read it tonight if you want to. It's in Luke 2. So you can find it there. What it says is that sure enough, Jesus comes as a child. What we see in John chapter 1 verse 14 is this. It says, and the word became flesh. And when it's talking about the word, it's talking about Christ. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is the, of, the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So what this passage is saying in John is the, the word put on flesh, that Jesus came to earth as a human being. And this is significant for a lot of reasons, because I know you might be sitting here tonight and you're like, Mel, I just came because my family made me. I just came because this is what we do before we go home and open gifts and eat macaroni and all those kind of things, which is great. Maybe you've been to church a thousand times and you're wondering, what is the big deal about Jesus coming as a baby, being a human? And, and the reason it's significant is really several reasons. When we look at the way Jewish people approached the Messiah, they expected the Messiah to come, but their expectation of the Messiah was that he was going to be a conquering king, that he would be a victorious warrior, that he would be much more akin to someone riding in on a stallion with a sword drawn than he would be a baby. Because in a lot of Jewish people's minds, what they needed in a savior was someone who could overthrow the Roman Empire. They definitely did not need a child. What they needed was a warrior in their minds. One of the other things we see is that um, well, he, he just showed up the way they didn't expect. They expected him to look different. They expected him to be different. What we also see is a lot of times they didn't feel like they needed a savior. It's interesting, a couple of weeks ago we talked about the story of the wise men, the magi as the Greek calls them. When the magi came from the east and they arrived in Jerusalem and they went to the court of King Herod and they said, we're looking for the king of the Jews. And King Herod he was alerted to this because he was the king of the Jews. That was his title. And so he called his wise men and said, hey, what are these guys talking about? And his wise men knew the prophecy from the Old Testament. And they quoted Micah 5.2 and they said, oh, the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem, which was only five miles from where they were. So what you have is a group of men who knew all the details and facts about the Messiah, but they couldn't be bothered to go the five miles to actually visit him. And what this tells me is, the same thing I said holds true. They felt like they didn't need a savior and surely this couldn't be the savior because we need a warrior. We need a king. And this child born to, to very moderate means is not our savior. 
So let me come back to that in just a minute. We'll stay on topic of the question, why does it matter that Jesus was born as a human being? And let me answer that question for you in two ways. Number one, Jesus had to come as a baby so that we could approach him. Uh, in the United States, we don't, we don't have royalty the same way that they do in, in Europe and Great Britain. Um, you might be infatuated with royalty over there and the, the babies and the princes and all those kind of things. But the thing is, we don't, we don't have a monarchy here. But what we do have in the United States is celebrity. And we love our celebrities, whether it's our athletes or our actors and actresses or maybe your politician, probably not your politician, but actors and actresses, and right? <laughs> the truth is, for some of you, if you walked into Sheets after we got out of here tonight, you turned around the aisle and you saw Ben Roethlisberger there. You, you might have some words for him about last night, first of all, but you, you might not even be able to speak to him because you might be intimidated by him. Because when we look at our heroes, our celebrities, sometimes we imagine them in different stratosphere. They're rich, they're powerful, they live a different life than we do, their problems are different than our problems. You know, we live paycheck to paycheck, we got student loans, we got a mortgage, and they, their life is perfect, they're on TV, they got money, they've got all the problems solved. We just can't relate to them. And Jesus knew if I come as a king, they're never gonna be able to relate to me. So he had to come as a child so that we could relate to him. Because the truth is, you might be a little intimidated by children, but there's something about babies that just breaks down our defenses. It breaks down our inhibitions. Have you ever seen the manliest men when they have a grandbaby? They just melt, don't they? They start talking baby talk. They can have a, a neck tattoo and they're still talking baby talk to that child, right? Why? Because there is something about a child that disarms us, that, that draws us in. And it's what Christ knew. He had to come that way so that we could approach him, so that we could, so we could know him. And the second reason Jesus had to come as a baby was to really know us. Because how could the God of the universe really know us if he has never experienced what we've experienced? So Jesus said, hey, I'm setting aside my glory, I'm laying it aside. I'm gonna to come to earth as a human being and I'm gonna experience everything they experienced. Did you know Jesus had to learn to walk just like you did? He had to learn to talk just like you did? He, he's experienced heartache just like you have? He's experienced betrayal just like you have? He's experienced... All these things have happened in his life and he's experienced it. But the difference is he chose to experience it because he knew in order to, to know you and to love you the way he wanted to, he had to experience those things. He chose it because he wanted to know you that much. What we see in scripture in Isaiah 53, 3, it says, talking about Jesus, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He is acquainted with grief and sorrows. Why? Because he wanted to be acquainted with your grief and sorrows. We see in Hebrews 4.15, the reason why he would do that, it says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. He knew in order to minister to you, in order to walk you through your deepest, darkest times, he had to experience your deepest, darkest times. Have you ever been around someone and you've been going through something difficult and they said, oh, I know how you feel. And 
the part of you that maybe isn't quite sanctified wants to say, why don't you shut up? Because you've never experienced what I've experienced, right? You've never experienced a divorce, so how can you say you know what I feel? You've never experienced being diagnosed with cancer, so how can you say you know what I feel? You've never experienced the loss of a child, so how can you say you know how I feel? But what we see in Christ is someone who has experienced deep heartache and loss and sorrow so that he could minister to us in our heartache and loss and sorrow. And he did it because he longed deeply to know you. You know, earlier I talked about the wise men and how they thought they had all the answers. They knew what the Savior should look like. And maybe you're here, you're like that a little bit. I understand that. This is what I want you to understand, though. The night Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph, just like every parent who's ever had a child, they had this moment after he was delivered, he was wrapped in swaddling clothes, and I can imagine them looking into his eyes, gazing into his face, and wondering what will become of this child. I know the promise that you've given us, God. I know what you've said he's going to be, but what are the possibilities for this child? What is the potential for this child? What could be? And I think every parent in this room has probably had that moment with your child. You've gazed into their eyes, you've looked into their face and wondered what could they become? And I'm telling you, tonight the God of the universe is gazing into the face of his children and he knows exactly what you could be because he's dreamed about it already. He knows your potential, he knows what could be and he's longing for it to come to pass. The difference is maybe you're like that wise man. You've got all the answers. You know all the facts about Christ. You know all the details. You know what he's supposed to look like. Because maybe your savior is your job. Maybe your savior is your spouse or your relationship. Maybe your savior is your finances, your retirement, whatever it might be. But tonight I'm telling you, he has arrived in flesh as a baby. Because he wants you to know him and he wants to know you. And that's what I'm gonna invite you to tonight. I'm not gonna embarrass you or bring you forward, but. We couldn't have a night like this and just go through the religious ceremony and go through the candlelighting and go about our business without giving you an opportunity to know the person and the reason why we're here, and it's Jesus Christ. So if you would, bow your head and close your eyes all over this room. If you're here tonight and you say to me, Mel, you know what, what you described, that's me. I feel like I'm religious, I've got all the answers, I know, but, but the truth is I recognize tonight I need a savior. I recognize tonight, maybe he doesn't look the way I thought he would look, but I wanna surrender my life to him. I'm not gonna embarrass you, I'm not gonna make you come forward, I wanna pray with you right where you're at in your seat. So if you would be bold enough to say, Mel, that's me, would you pray for me? Would you be bold enough to slip your hand up real high where I can see it, you can put your hand right back down. Thank you, yeah, yeah, thank you. Four, five, six hands, center section, who else would say that's me? Over here on my right, thank you, ma'am. Praise the Lord. Yeah, up in the balcony, a couple of hands down on my right, a couple of hands. Praise God. Yeah, on my left, I see you. Thank you. Who else? Just a few more seconds. You want to say, that's me. Pray for me. Tonight's my night. Yeah, thank you. I see you in the center section. Praise God. Praise God. I want every person in this place, whether you raised your hand or not, to pray this simple prayer with me. Repeat this with me out loud. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for coming to planet earth and living a perfect life and giving your life to pay the price for my sins on the cross. From this day forward, 
away from my old life. And I'm asking you to give me true life in you. Help me reflect your glory to this world and help me be a light in dark places. Thank you for loving me and thank you for giving everything for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we give God a round of applause tonight? Listen, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I want you to know I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited for you. And I cannot wait to see what God's going to do in your life. What this means is not that your life will be perfect. What it means is you're going to walk through your your mess with the one who is perfect. He's going to walk with you through your situations. And we want to help you take the next step in your faith journey. So if you would, um, there's a card in the seat back in front of you. On one side of the card, it says need prayer. On the other side, it says salvation. If you'd simply fill out the side of the card that says salvation and drop it in one of our offering boxes as you leave, we want to help you take the next step, give you some resources that are going to help you grow in your faith. If you can't reach one of the cards or maybe you're watching online and like to respond, you can simply text the word salvation to the number 555-888. And when you do that, we're going to reach out to you. We're going to help you take the next step in your faith journey as well. So please take advantage of that. We want to help you take the next step and begin to grow in your faith. Now, as you walked in tonight, you, uh, you were all given candles and you were given glow sticks if we don't trust you with open flames. Um, and that's fine. But what's going to happen right now is our ushers and our staff are going to begin to make their way through the room. And they're going to light the candles of the people sitting on the end of the row. And after they do that, thank you, Pastor Ricky. After they do that, you can take that flame and pass it to the person sitting next to you. And they're going to begin to spread throughout this room. Can we multitask? While you're having your candles lit, can I read you a passage of scripture? It doesn't matter what you want. I've got the mic, so I'm going to do it anyway. So here we go. This is from John chapter 1. And it's interesting because Matthew and Luke both tell the nativity story to some degree. Um, Mark doesn't tell anything about Jesus' childhood. He jumps right into Jesus' ministry. But John starts all the way back at the beginning of time telling Jesus' story. So this is what he says in John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So what we see in this passage of Scripture is is Jesus is described as the light and the life. If you've ever been stuck in a dark place, you know how important light is, don't you? You know how... It illuminates how it helps you see, how it can bring warmth, how it can bring life. And Jesus came to planet Earth so that he could bring both light and life to people who desperately need it. Now, as you came in, you got those candles and we lit the candles and you're going, yeah, that's great, Mel. We're gonna get out of here in a few minutes, we will. But let me tell you something about this candle. Did you know the only reason it burns is because it's being consumed? If If it's not being consumed, it's not giving light. It's not giving heat. It's not producing anything. For those of you that we don't trust and you got the glow sticks, when you got the glow sticks, they weren't shining, right? They weren't glowing. What did you have to do to it in order to make it glow? You had to break it, didn't you? You had to snap it. You had to crack it. And this is what I want you to understand. A lot of people want the life and light of Christ, but we refuse to be broken for God's purposes. We still want to live our life and do what we want to do, but 
We want to live our life our way. And what God says is, I want to break you so I can remake you. I want you to be consumed with me. Because this is what I want you to know. that The world doesn't need more nice people. The world needs people who are consumed with the kingdom of God. That are consumed with the things of God. And will say, God, I want what you want more than what I want. So I'm willing, I'm willing to lay it all down. I'm willing to be consumed for your purposes. And that's what I'm asking you to do tonight. Just say, God, take my whole life. Use me in however way you want. So what we're going to do now is we're going to continue to sing. We're going to continue to worship. And in just a moment, I'm going to come back up and I'll dismiss this. But if you would, why don't you stand to your feet all over this room. And we're going to worship together one more time. And as we do, let's just think about Christ who came to planet Earth for us so that he could be light and life and reflect that light and life through us.